Listen, in a few moments, I'm going to read my scripture, which is a whole book of the Bible. That will mix the emotions within you. But don't worry, it's only 25 verses. It was actually a daily reading from Friday, uh, the book of Philemon. We're focusing on culture. So I'm going to read it just now, then make some comments. I'm reading from your living translation. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith, as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He's no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave, for he's a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. If you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I'm confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask, and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, we've been focusing on strengthening our culture, and we've heard that from Jillian, the vows, unity, generosity, honor, excellence, celebration, listed in no particular order, as they say in some areas. But we recognize that while it's our collective culture values, it has to be more than a collect, because the collective is a result, a sum total of the individual. There's some parts of it. And I wish to draw some points around culture in this letter that Paul's written to Philemon. Background is Paul's in prison for preaching the good news about Jesus. And he has, without us knowing all the details, led this man called Onesimus to faith, become like a spiritual father to him. It's all good so far. 
the only issue is that Onesimus used to work for Philemon as a slave with Philemon and ran away from him. And without knowing all the details, it appears in context that he'd stolen from him and ran away from him, though we don't know all the details. And Paul is writing to Philemon, encouraging him to take this man back. He's like paving the way for him. He's kind of smoothing things out before Onesimus goes back to him. But three things about culture. One is it's collective, but it's personal. We have collective values and culture values, and they're the collective ones of the house, but it has to be personal. It doesn't work if it's not personal. And Paul is really is encouraging Philemon, tells him how he's heard good reports about him and how he loves, he's got love for all God's people. But then verse 6 is, a key verse, he says this, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. And yes, he mentions generosity, and that's one of our culture values, but I'm not speaking about generosity specifically. I'm just speaking about culture values. It's like you, you, Philemon. This is not a letter to the church at Galatia or Ephesus or Philippians, Colossae. This is a personal letter to you, Philemon, and I'm speaking to you and I'm writing for, to encourage you to embrace culture of generosity. And you can add in whatever culture, but this has to work on an individual level before it becomes effective. And generosity, you'll notice in this, was not specific to finance or material things. It was generosity of heart, of kindness, of forgiveness, of love, of acceptance. But it includes material things, obviously. We'll explain an opportunity you can have in a couple of weeks or so for that to demonstrate it. But he's saying, I'm writing to you, a fellow believer, and Philemon, it's up to you. And you know, we can talk about the collective culture values we have. But if we just talk about them collectively, sometimes we fail to grasp that means you, it means me doing them, embracing them. And it's only as we as individuals embrace them then the collective culture changes in our world and in our church. It's collective and personal. So it's a conceptual and practical. I mean, it's a thought, it's ideas, it's values we're holding. The, the words, their ideas, but they can't be just words on a board. They can't just be an ideas or concepts that this would be great for a church. They have to be practical. And there's a point in which we have to be doers of the culture. Not just listeners, not just think they're great ideas to have in the world. We need to be doers of the culture. There's times when the rubber hits the road. There's times when we're going to be faced with choices, whether we should do it or not do it. When the going gets tough, do we still practice the generosity, the unity, the honor, the excellence, the celebration? Do we still practice them and excellence? Philemon, are you going to employ this man again that you let you down so badly? Will you show kindness to him? And Paul has been a clever or funny, or maybe the two of them, when he's writing this letter. It says here in verse 11, this guy, Onesimus, has been much used to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. Now, Onesimus literally means different translations, but they put it like helpful, profitable, useful. 
So basically, Paul's writing to Philemon and saying, useful has been useless in the past, but now useless wants to live up to his name and be useful to you and to me again. He wants to live up to his name. And you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to live up to the name of being a Christian in our world. And that means carrying the culture and the heart and the values and practice them. Useful was useless and now he's going back to useful. Philemon, would you show generosity by your actions? How have you practiced our culture values this week? Like in this case, it's not always easy. It is simple, but it's not easy. They're simple to understand what they mean, but not easy to put into practice, to carry it out. But you know what? Culture carriers practice it, not on the day, but every day. They do it when they feel like it and don't feel like it. They do it when it's easy. They do it when it's difficult because they do what they do because of who they are. And we need individually to embrace the fact that I'm going to become a culture carrier of this house. It's not something we switch on when we step through the doors of a Sunday. Listen, we've all been there. When you fell out with your wife and you've had a rotten morning come to church and as soon as you come and walk in the door, hi, God bless you, brother, great to see you. <laughs> Stuff like that. You think it's, you're the only ones that happen to? You think you're the ones who your kids go wild on a Sunday morning? You're the one who think that something bad happens to you on your way to church? It's not. It happens to many people. And then we've got a tendency as soon as we walk in to change and be, oh, hi. But listen, but if you're going to be culture carriers, it's not just we're in the house. It's not good just on a good day. It's when we do it in the bad days and the days we don't feel like it because it's who we are as people. And it's practical, it's worked out practical. Philemon, put your generosity into action, put your culture into action, put honour into action, put unity into action. You need to be generous, says guy. And then Paul can be a bit fly at times, he says, and see while you're at it, can you prepare me a room because I'm coming up as well. Okay, why have you been generous to him? Why, why not? I'll throw in, I'll throw in one for me as well. Cultures, what we do, not just what we say and what we put on the board, it's what we do. It's a concept, but it has to be practical. And why do we do it? There's a what we do, but there's a why. It says, put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. As you understand that you experience all the good things we have in Christ. I do it because of all that God's done for you and because of who you are in Jesus Christ. You're not what you used to be. You don't have to live the way you used to live. You don't have to behave in the manner you used to behave. You know, something incredible happened when we came to faith in Jesus Christ. We don't fully grasp what happens. When Paul writes that the old has gone and the new has come. When Paul writes and he says, so something happens in Romans, the spirit of Jesus Christ comes to live within you. Listen, we need to grasp that. We are not what we used to be. And we can say, oh, I can't do that. I want to tell you, we need to really fully grasp 
When Christ Jesus came to live within us by his spirit, something incredible happened. Something remarkable happened. Something phenomenal happened. There was a life force that came within us that said, you know what? There's nothing that you can't do because of what you used to be because there's an empowering living spirit within you. The spirit of Jesus Christ has come to live within you. Listen, and people who know me know this. One of my pet hates is people say, I'm only human. I just don't like it. Okay, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're only human. human. But once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, something divine happens. Something of divinity, something of God comes to live within inside you. The Spirit of the living God comes to live within inside you. You are not just human after that. You are human and partly divine. You've got a life force of eternity living within you. You're not just human. You're not, oh, I can't do this. I'm just human. Oh, it's only I'm human. No, there's something within you that says, you know what? There's a power within me and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I can do stuff because not me, because there's a life of Jesus Christ's spirit living within me. So Philemon, you know, human nature might think, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to embrace that culture of generosity to him. But you know what? You've got a life force within you. You've got a something, a power within you. And if you let that come to the fore, you can do this, Philemon. But more than that, just because of what God's done for you, just think about all that he has done in in the light of all that Christ Jesus has won for us and did for us how can we not express his heart Romans 12 don't copy the behaviours of the world be transformed by the renewing of your mind present your bodies as living sacrifices to God start thinking kingdom ways and what we change in our thinking will become a change in our actions and start living for the culture principles of God. Listen, in whatever culture values we find difficult, yes, you can. You're better than Bob the Builder. Yes, you can. You know what? Our choices have to triumph over our feelings at times. There was times when we are talking about culture values, you and I at times will not want to express these culture values. But then we have to make a choice. You know what? It's who I am. It's what we are. And I'm going to practice them. And I'm going to do them. You know, David had an opportunity, not that David. David had an opportunity to kill Saul, who was rotten to him, who was chasing after him for no good reason. He's wanting to kill him. He's wanting to destroy him. And David had nothing but good for him. And David had a chance to kill him. And David basically said this, the Lord forbid that I shall touch the Lord's anointed i.e. it doesn't matter how bad he is and there was a bit in David when he thought about it <laughs> here's an opportunity but he made a choice I'm going to honour because I'm a culture of honour person and even though he doesn't deserve to be honoured I'm going to show honour because it's not about him it's about me see culture is not about others it's about us and David's attitude was it's difficult for me to honour this guy but it's not about him it's about me and I'm a person of honour and I'm going to honour him Moses had an opportunity to live in the palaces of Egypt. He did live in the palaces and had an easy choice to live there and grow there. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that he, by faith he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave up the privilege of being a Pharaoh's daughter. He gave them all up and he had done it 
because he knew that's not who I am. I'm uniting with the people of God. I'm uniting with the purposes of God. And it'd be great to live in this palace with all the benefits, but you know what? That's not who I am. I'm choosing to live for God and the purposes of God. And I'm uniting. I'm living in unity with the people of God. Abel, by faith, gave an offering to God. We need it. He get killed for it, but that's not the point. Cain just brought anything, but Abel said, I'm giving the first fruits. I'm being generous. I'm giving to God the best. And you can add more than money to that. I'm giving God my best. And it's going to be costly and it's going to be hurtful. And I'm giving the, the first fruits. I'm giving the best. I don't know what else is coming after that, but I'm going to be generous and I'm going to be generous and do what is right before God. You know what? He pleased God. He honor God. Nehemiah, when the people were struggling and it was a difficult time, to, he said, no, what we need to do? We need to celebrate because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, I know you're not feeling great, the other guy, but we need to celebrate because there's something in celebration. There's something in our culture because even when life is tough, we've got something of the joy of the Lord within us. We've got something of knowing that Jesus and God is for us. And even though it's tough, I'm choosing to celebrate. And we need to be excellent as well. Solomon was building a temple and he says, this must be a magnificent temple because our God is greater than any other God. Because what we are doing is for God. What we are doing is not for church. What we're doing is for God. And he deserves the very best. We used to sing an old song, says, my Jesus has done all things well. Listen, and we need to be people who do things well. Listen, the days of its only church need to go. It's not church, it's, a, it's who's the head of the church we're doing it for. And we're doing it for our God. And whatever we do, we do it the best. And sometimes that's harder work. Sometimes that means costing a little bit. But listen, we need to do it because he deserves it. Jesus demonstrated them all. He brought us into unity with God the Father and with one another. He lavished grace on us. He was extravagant. He was generous in his grace. He done it well. It is finished. He completed the work. He did everything excellent. He really did. He honoured us by giving up his life for our sake. Jesus didn't do it for his sake. He gave it for our sake. Now, because of that, God honoured him. And listen, any rejoice when we come to faith for the joy that was set before him, he endured. You're the joy of Jesus. Jesus celebrates you. You might not feel like it, but Jesus celebrates you. Jesus demonstrated our culture values all through his life. We need to do them. They can say, but they need to be practical. And thirdly, you'll be glad to know, they're consensual, but they're presumed. Paul writes here, I didn't want to do anything without your consent, fine. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. In the context of here, in your life, myself and other leaders don't want us to be forced into practicing culture values. That's not the heart of why we have them. We want a willingness. A yes, I get it. Yes, I want my life to reflect the culture of the house which honors God. I want to be part of a church which reflects the culture values of God and honors him. I'm up for it. I recognize the desire is for honoring God and honoring one another and do it. And I know this is easy, but it's significant and it's important. We talk about many things in church. We talk about vision and doing great things. But we've heard the expression before that culture eats vision for breakfast. It's the culture of the church. It's the how you do the what and the why that makes you the church 
that you are. We're not just physical beings. You know what? There needs to be a willingness within us. We need to grasp this. And I hope I can get this on. We're not just human or physical. We are spirit. We are spirit soul. We are body, but we're spirit. But what we are in our spirit comes out in everything we do. I mean, we may say the right things. We may do the right things. But if in our spirit we're just doing them because we feel we have to do them, that is reflected in how we do it. And that has a damaging effect sometimes. You can say the right things. You can do the right things, but if you're doing it with a wrong heart and a wrong motive and a wrong attitude, I want to tell you, you're going to cause more damage than you are good because it's a spirit that connects with spirit. It's a spirit that connects with something. Some of you think, I don't know how that didn't work because I thought I'd done the right thing and said the right thing. The right thing I want to tell you is because the spirit you did it in was not the right spirit and it's that spirit thing which connected with another spirit and that's what caused the damage. Because it's spirit to spirit, because we're spirit being... It's who we are. It affects the atmosphere around us. And listen, you can, you can say it, you can do it, but it's what you are and your attitude and your spirit which affects the atmosphere. And we all know people who affect the atmosphere. We all know people whenever they're about, the atmosphere changes. One of the great things I loved about, well, I heard a great thing about the late Queen. I was a granddaughter, is it? Eugenia, I think it was, be wrong. But she said this when Granny entered the room, the atmosphere always changed. In a good sense, she says. And I thought it was wonderful. Can you say that? Could I say that? There's sometimes people walk into the room and that atmosphere changes, but it's not in a good sense. And they haven't done anything, they haven't said anything, it's just who they are. And I want to tell you, I want us to be people who when we walk into a room, the culture of the room changes because of who we are. The atmosphere changes because of who you are. Listen, Philemon, you can have this Onesimus fella back and you can still think of him as a slave. Even if you employ him, if you're still grudgingly taking him back, that'll affect you and it'll affect him and it'll affect the atmosphere. But if you accept him by practicing a culture of forgiveness, generosity of spirit, receiving willingly as a brother, I want to tell you, not only will you change your relationship for a but you'll change the atmosphere around you. So if you consider me a partner, he says, for you to say, welcome him as you would welcome me. And then Paul's a wee bit fly here. He says, I know the context says he's, I think he's stolen from you. If, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it back. And I won't even mention that you owe me your very song. Ouch, Pete. Ouch, Paul. That was a bit below the belt. Okay? I'll pay it all back, but I want you to remember, you owe me your soul. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Philemon, I'm not telling you you have to do this, because that's not what it's about. It's consensual. But I say that it's consensual but presumed. Because in this church, if these are our culture values, I'm asking you willingly, as leaders we're asking you willingly to embrace the culture values. But we're also saying, if you're part of this church, we're presuming that these are our culture values. We're presuming that these are, this is how we act. This is how we do. 
And if you don't have to, we're asking. We can never force anything. We don't want to force anything on you. But we believe they're God-honoring. We believe they're right for us. And we're presuming this is how we act. This is how we do things in the church. And if we're not doing things, we'll maybe challenge them. This is not what we are as a church. So it's consensual. But this is how we are. This is what we are as new life. It's presumed that this is how we do it. And if we don't do it that way, then we need to look at it. I can't add the Paul bit that says, you owe me my very, your very soul, I can't do that, but you know. Uh, new life church, culture is important. Philemon, I appreciate it's not easy to practice to continue this culture. And I recognise it's not easy. To practice this generosity to somebody who's stole from you. We can add things. I appreciate it's not easy to honour people who have hurt you. It's not easy to strive for unity when you're the only one that's right and everybody else is thinking different from you. It's not easy to celebrate when you're in mourning. It's not easily to be excellent when you're struggling with what you've got. It's not easy to be generous when there's no sign of return and it's a sacrifice to be generous. Philemon, it's not easy for generosity. Sometimes it's not easy for all these things. And that's why Paul says, that's why I'm going to pray. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. No, that's not a saving grace. Grace is more than just a saving grace. By grace, you're saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. If you're in here or you're watching online, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your personal saviour, we want to tell you there's a saving grace that God can you exercise in your life if you just show faith in Jesus Christ by his grace and you ask him to be your personal saviour, you say, I'm sorry, I'm the one who was wrong, I've sinned, thank you for dying for me. By faith I accept Jesus Christ as my saviour. We want to tell you there's an amazing grace that causes you to receive salvation and become a child of God. But after that, there's an empowering grace that can help you in your life. Billy Graham made a remarkable statement once he says the will of God will not take us but the grace of God cannot sustain us you know and that's more than just a physical going to a place if you're going to embrace a culture value which is difficult you know there's a grace of God which can take you and keep you and help you in exercising that culture value there's an empowering grace that God wants to bring into lives and I'm going to pray for us in a moment the band are going to come up don't know what they're going to do but they're going to do it willingly the band are going to come up. In your life, your life culture, we need to practice it, not just talk about it. We need to recognise that it's not easy at times, but we do it because it's who we are. And we need to be willing. Our heart is not to enforce anything, but we want a collective unity that this is what we are as a church. And we want to honour God. Can we stand now we're going to just pray that God gives us an empowering grace that we can embrace these culture vows and put them into practice. And all of us need to make an individual response. It's collective, yes, but it's personal. Every one of us needs to make a decision. You know what? I'm embracing these culture values. And not just as an idea, they're not just a conceptual. I'm going to practice them. I'm going to put them into practice. And I'm going to consent. I'm going to say yes. This is me. Now we'll get it wrong from time to time. There's times we'll mess up. 
don't let the mess-ups define who you are because there's always a way back and there's always a way to, you know what, I might be messed up once but it's not who I am, it's who I am consistently that makes me who I am. Father, I pray, Father God, for everyone here. I just thank you for your heart towards us. I thank you, Father, for all that we have and all that you've done for us and who we are in you. And I pray, Father, as a church, we will embrace these culture values which bring honour to your name. Lord, I recognise it will be tough at times and individually we might find some of them particularly more challenging than others. But I pray that you'll make a, you'll empower with your grace. I'm just praying that Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and enable you to embrace all that he wants you to be. In Jesus' name, amen.